0: Lock Talk Radio. Bye.
1: Uh, our panel today. Uh, this exhibit emerged out of uh, an experience I had on a trip with um, many of my colleagues. We were going, to, we went to Cuba to find out, um, uh, to locate different um, research and learning sites for for students. And I went into one of the um, museums, the Casa de Africa. And when I emerged from that, I imagined. Uh, the Indians here with the different colors of the Orisha. And um, from there, I began to look at different spiritual themes that I began to recognize within uh, contemporary masking. And I wanted to bring that experience and uh, education to Orisianism from all of, because of money day, It's really hard to take in all the different symbols that are there, and they are uh, just numerous. Um, and so this gives us a chance to look at uh, what contemporary African-American maskers
2: uh, are
1: incorporating spiritually into their suits and costumes and performance um, and allow us to meditate um, and have a, a space of respect reflection upon how they're bringing us their spirituality in a day that we largely commemorate with having a great time. So this uh, exhibit is a, introduces um, a broad range of American masters to our community who have been uh, incorporating spiritual themes into their um, Mardi Gras experiences. And providing that to all of us, but we don't have a chance to really look at it. So this is an invitation to the community to come and have a conversation uh, about this, the spiritual figures and beings that are going into their masking practices. Uh, of course, this dovetails with the afro diasporic sacred tradition, traditions which have long combined African and New World religious expressions into new forms for centuries, of which um, our African-American Mardi Gras traditions are unique uh, to New Orleans. The black masking, black masking in New Orleans has gained national attention, but its spiritual roots are unknown. So Mystery in Motion is going to amplify the voices of black masters sharing the cultural and spiritual context of their traditions. The exhibit will focus on black masking rituals, uh, drawing from spiritual sources, including the Yoruba belief system, New Orleans Voodoo, uh, Voodoo itself, Catholicism, Islam, Rastafarianism, and many more. The exhibit explores black masking in New Orleans and its foundations in our African heritage. Um, I am one of the guest curators, and Ron Bay Shea is, is the other guest co-curator. And we have borrowed um, artifacts from both the Cape Romley Museum Cape Raleigh Jacques Chirot Museum in Paris and from the African Collection of Southern University at New Orleans. So um, there will be all kinds of photographs and images um, and artifacts and things that will be in the 2700 square foot exhi- exhibition, which is adjacent to the permanent Mardi Gras exhibit at the press this year. And we're going to have an online component that will present a virtual tour supplementary images and interviews, and um, K-12 educational materials. And we'll have programming all throughout the year, uh, including virtual programs, hands-on workshops, lectures, special tours, and family days. I'd like to go now to our panelists who will be participating uh, in the exhibit. They bring collectively um, a a rich experience um, to this panel and to the exhibit. I'll first introduce the Divine Prince, Ty Emeta, who's a pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, advisor, psychic, spiritualist, voodoo priest, and practitioner of African traditional religious systems. The Divine Prince is also a local New Orleans actor and cultural performer in the historic Treme. He's a longtime member and advisor to the Congo Square Preservation Society and is a masking New Orleans of black Carnival Indians as well as a licensed uh, registered minister. He's been active in ministry for over 45 years, formerly serving as minister of music in the Black Spiritualist and Apostolic Churches. So thank you so much for being with us uh, on this panel. Our next panelist is Shaka Zulu. Shaka Zulu is a practicing Black Masking Indian who is um, a lecturer on the rich history and folklore of our New Orleans tradition. Uh, he and uh, his wife have owned the Golden Feather Mardi Gras Indian Gallery, and he runs um, that as one of the most unique establishments in the city, which features his lectures for tourists, visiting from around the world, and logos as well. He is um, an entrepreneur. He's a musician, traveling the world, playing percussive instruments with his company, Zulu Connections, and many notable New Orleans jazz musicians. He's an innovator in African tradition. He's also the first first, um, black masking Indian who is also an Indian stilt dancer 14 feet in the air. He's committed to the growth and educational prosperity of the youth in New Orleans. And so he manages and is an instructor for the Youth Summer Cultural Enrichment Camp of the Better Life Family Incorporated in New Orleans. So we, we welcome you, Chief. And our final um, particip- panel participant is Peter Mohammed Harun. He's a poet and spoken word artist, and he shares empowering, inspiring messages in, di- in distinct rhythms. He was a founding member of the New Orleans, uh, I'm going to get that right, um, Nomo? Yes. No Mold Literary Society in 1995, and since then has practiced ongoing creativity with words, sounds, and stories through numerous poems and poetry readings locally and um, throughout uh, the nation. He, his work is published in the 2020 anthology titled I Am New Orleans, 36 Poets Revisit Marcus Christian's Definitive poems and the 1998 anthology from A Bend in the River, 100 New Orleans Poets. In 96, he moved to Chicago to the headquarters to be near the headquarters of the Nation of Islam as a registered member. He has been serving in this capacity as a student in the Ministry of Art and Culture ever since, building with creatives across genres and demographics. For decades, he's been called upon to bring his poetry to numerous cultural, spiritual, and community events. In, in 2018, he was invited to compose a poem and perform poetry, a poetry reading, to bless the kickoff of an international tour of peace drum. And in 2020, he was called on to craft a tribute poem to Mr. Ellis Marcellus. And he then recorded the piece to music he collaboratively composed and co produced. So, uh, welcome uh, to uh, Pierre, our trail chief for the Golden Feather Hunters, Muddy Bright Indian Tribe. So, thank you all first for participating in, uh, in the exhibit. Uh, you are going to be reaching uh, an additional audience that needs to know um, what, what you're all about. So I'm going to start with Peter and ask him to tell me uh, your role in Black Mardi Gras and how you, can, how you connect it to spirituality. Well,
3: so that's Vanessa. Uh, me and echo. So thank you, first of all, for having us gathering and, and giving a uh, platform. Conversation, dialogue. So, um, I'm a native New Orleanian, and it was interesting. I'm gonna take it back a little bit, uh, if, if you allow me that, back, Kim. Uh, I was I was introduced to participating in carnival and things of that nature to music, to marching band. Right? I played music in uh, in bands, and once I got to high school at St. Oliver, Mr. Hampton. I was a student of Mr. Ham from third grade all the way up until I got to high school. And he used to share his stories with me about how they, would, they, they, they were the first uh, black school to integrate Mardi Gras. And, and he kind of spoke to me a little off record a lot of times because there was a certain pride that had to go along with it being public, but there was a certain conflict that he had to go through internally in presenting in the art. And he, he told me about the preparation. That he had to give to the to the students in the band at that time because of the hostility that existed in the street, and it was it was akin to the movement that Dr. King and them would have, and that okay, if you spit on, then you respond like this. If they you know if somebody kicks you, you respond like that, right? And to see the pain that he had to have by being that first to go through that sort of experience, but the dignity he went through it with because of what it is that he represented. And for those who may not know about uh, Mr. Hampton and what he did, for, for especially for young black males in the city, is that he gave us the outlet to be musicians at a time where there was a, a conflict about keeping the sacred art going, right? So uh, in him bringing those many young black men to the forefront on Carnival Day to change the the tradition and the history of what it is that carnival looked like uh, and what Mardi Gras looked like, it allowed for the placement from his story that he was telling me, it would allow for him to show the best part of us as artists in a way, as young high school students, in a way that it would force the city to respect us. Right, with the discipline and and, and with the uh the mastery of our of our form and and just going through that experience it 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 I w- I was conflicted, right? Because at that time it's a it's a Catholic high school and we went out and we would have the, the American flag in front of the band, you would have the flags of all the other Joseph Fight schools, you know, the color guards who carry the flag and so, there were so many signs and symbols, like you mentioned, that allowed for us to exist in, in, in an integrated state with, with, with the rest of what, what corners looked like. And that integrated state came at a cost of what it is that we can determine we'll fly, what flags and symbols we would represent and attach to our culture. Uh, so, going that experience actually participating in the parade and having those experiences from the beginning of the parade to the end, and seeing the energy that people. Have a perspective on the whole thing. I'm a part of it, but I'm away from it. And what my job, I feel, is to let people know that this is a spiritual activity taking place. Like this is a safe, we are we are performing sacred rituals to heal out people. And it's not for mere entertainment. And it's not for mockery. And we one of the most difficult things that I have with my responsibility is. When people want to take me away from me focusing on and making sure he has what he has to take pictures like I don't know how everybody else feels and if their position allows them to think differently, but in mine it's a really difficult thing to do unless it's from a child. Then it's not even a thought. You know what I mean? It's, you have to do that for that child, so that you can give them that spirit to keep pushing forward. But for some adults, I want to remind people that this is a culture. And this is a practice that's in place to preserve the integrity of our culture, to preserve the the ability to pass down through our lineage and through our descendants something that is ancient to us. And it's not a joke. It's not a game. It's not a mockery thing. It's not a thing that I'm doing um, because I want popularity, a thing that I want to do so that I can be bigger than the culture. So my practice is...
0: That.
4: Yep. Shaka. Yes, can you hear can you hear me? You can hear You are mute, I can't hear you. I
1: can hear oh,
4: you. So okay. oh, um question is, how do I get into <laughs> this very unique culture? Um, one of the things, um, about myself, um, I came into, uh, this unique masking culture and we say masking, you know, because I feel that, uh, once you put a mask on, you're not a person anymore. You're the energy or the entity of what it is that you're masking. And that's an African tradition. So, um, uh, I actually was initiated into a mask society before I was involved in the mask Indian tradition. So I can relate 100% with what the Peter is talking about because I have a different dis- discipline as well as perspective on the culture as it relates to a mask tradition. Um, so I was initiated into the mask and still fan society, which is my family tradition that comes from my dad and we've got two brothers that's involved I'm also uh, with Better Family Life. We train children about their tradition and culture. And um, uh, also we've traveled the world. Um, um, we've uh, uh, put it on stage as a production. So even though I'm, in a, I'm uh, immersed in the culture of the masculine Indians for over 20 years, but the majority of my Masking tradition came from another Masking culture. Which is African culture. So, so um, I came in through the musical
2: side of it, um,
4: playing the drums for the Indians. And, and my first experience with uh, the tradition uh, professionally was with uh, Chief Smiley Wicks, the Indians of the nation. But Miami, Miami um, you know, I grew up since a child in the performing arts as it relates to African culture and tradition. Um, because my dad, um, has a group called Free Spirit that's been around probably since the first African drum hit the city of New Orleans. So we're talking about the 70s, um, on to now. So I grew up in, you know, the, the tradition and the culture. As it relates to African tradition in the streets of war. So last year, that was really easy
0: for
2: me, um,
4: because I already understood, uh, the concept, my role, my role as a black man in it and the responsibility that, that comes with that. Um, understanding that, uh, now that I'm a chief being a chief a neighborhood, which represents a community. Uh, and so I look at it from the perspective of, if you want to find out what type of chief you are, just look at the condition of the women and children in that community. And that says a lot about the chief in that community. So, um, so I try to practice it from that perspective. And um, also, I'm open to, to where if, if there's anything that I display that doesn't represent that responsibility, uh, please call me out on it. Um, so, uh, so the uh, the street ballet or the masking part of it, it's easy for me because. Um, um,
1: You know, I was already
4: um, pretty much deep into the role and responsibility of street processions um, with the stilt thing. But I really believe that um, uh, this culture represents something that's coming from an ancient spirit. I always feel the last culture in America that started by Africans born in America that's still in its original form is self-taught, self-sustained, self-funded. The reason we did it years ago, many years ago, is the same reason we do it today. Um, and Donna Harrison, Big Chief Donna Harrison said something that was very important. He said, "It's Afro-New Orleans music and culture. It's one of the few African traditions that you may not find in Africa because that African tradition was born right here in New Orleans." So, um, so I'm versed in it on many different levels. You know, the music, the uh, the song, the master tradition, understanding the African. Uh, part in the master tradition as well as being born and raised in New Orleans. So um, for me, it was just a labor of love. I um, um, love that the culture involves children because um, um,
2: part of my life mission
4: is working with children. That's why I was Golden Feather uh, being the chief. One of the things that I'm really happy about is we do have a lot of children. Thank you, Dr. Kim bringing you know, all those kids in, so, so I really love that, because uh, if you don't teach the children the culture, then you will become a victim of, of their ignorance, so it's very important for me to to make sure that you know, the women and children are, 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 are in this culture and, and learning from people who are um, displaying this culture in a very positive way, so um um, I just love it and, and, and um, you know, I, I learned from some of the best in this culture as it relates to where they represent me and the, the craftsmanship, the, the workload, the responsibility, the uh, um, the folklore and, and, and all of that. So I'm just happy to be uh, in a position to be honored with a platform to really speak on that behalf.
0: Hello, Hello. 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 Hello.
4: Can you hear me now? I'm humbled by the opportunity. Um, I came into the culture as a result. Uh, I consider myself a successful transplant. I grew up in the farthest north region of the South, and, and that's Maryland. Uh, so you just associate that with Gucci Land. I also grew up there during the '70s, the City, if you will. Uh, there was a strong emphasis on Africa. There was a strong emphasis on culture. There was a strong emphasis on family. Uh, I've been in New Orleans 25 years. And I first was acknowledged by uh, Shirley Harrison and the Navigot Indian Hall of Fame for my demonstration about the culture by way of my podcast, uh, many of my literary pursuits, and some of my other online demonstrations. Um, A year later, I was invited to mass. I've been massing eight years. I first masked with Guardians of the Flames, Sharif Half, and Nelson. I then went on to mass with uh, Big Chief Shaka and uh, Daryl Montana and Yellow Pocahontas. And by that, sort of the same or similar thing that Guardians of the Flames follows and acknowledges, which is the room past. I more consider myself in a a maroon. When I look at maroon culture, particularly in Mississippi Delta, Louisiana, um, and the availability of us to survive our culture, survive our traditions, from a spiritual perspective, I was able to readily identify that almost right away um, in New Orleans carnival culture. Um, I like both of the brothers that spoke before me, um, I made a clear distinction between Mardi Gras culture and Black carnival culture, Black Indian culture. And when I see not just the masculine Indians, but the skull and bones, the baby dolls, I see demonstrations of ancestral masquerade coming straight out of, of West Africa. I see manifestations of voodoo uh, that people don't often associate with voodoo. Uh, when I first started masking um, with the community, there wasn't a whole lot of room for discussion about VV, uh, about that input, that symbolism showing up uh, in the practice and tradition. And now I'm seeing it in suits, I'm seeing kind of square, I'm seeing the little bow, I'm seeing other symbolic representations that, uh, in, in my opinion, bring our truth to, to the surface. Um, when i see the acknowledgement of the indigenous people uh, of this land i'm i'm grateful and i'm humble but when i see these things i see africa and i see gedera and i see um uh Bé-Bé, and i see eagles and i see very beetle masquerades which are demonstrated in, in, in west africa i also um, connect the idea that Shaka spoke up about masking and becoming something else. Something bigger than yourself. Something greater than yourself. Balance on uh, where I otherwise be uh, lacking in, in today's with culture. I, as a beauty practitioner, I deal with a lot of people who don't communicate to me, uh, during Carnival, who have very little awareness about what's going on here. And often when I'm asked about parades and Mardi Gras, you know, I, I don't see that, because I'm in this community um, with my people uh, observing this demonstration. Um, the need for to be able to connect to something um, is something that I'm uniquely uh, able to see as a spiritual practitioner and minister. Uh, And people want quick magic, they want quick answers, they want quick fixes to things. And we're not always acknowledging the tradition and the history uh, and the lineage that's passed down, uh, again, with this ancient culture. Uh, So I come into this culture with respect. Uh, from a more mature perspective, from an older person's perspective, in my earliest years, um, coming into the culture, I saw those who were older than me, uh, 70 and older, 65 and older who have been in this practice, um, like Shaka all of their lives. Um, and so I take great honor. Um, when people see my style and it's not quite as modern, uh, and it does echo something of our past and something that our ancestors would have uh, demonstrated on um, the street. So I'm humbled by the opportunity. I'm grateful uh, that I was given the opportunity to sort of grow into this culture uh, and we've become a part of this demonstration and continue the uh, re uh, of, of the rest of the world about What takes place here uh, in in New Orleans, all on the Mardi Gras
1: Day. Thank you. Uh, You all have uh, beautiful suits and um, uh, artifacts uh, in your background. And, Peter, I'd like to start with you if you could tell us about the suit that you made for uh, 2020.
4: Yeah, so. uh,
3: I don't want to get too much of it, we still want to come in and check out the exhibit, too. It's going to be beautiful, right, Dad?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, just
3: just a little bit. bit. Just a little bit, just a little bit. No doubt. Uh, This is the of it here, right, out of the brown. And that stone question represents, that question represents the new moon, all right, and the new day that's coming with that new moon. And for some of us in how we look at life and study the universe, that's a balance that the moon brings to the earth and the dealing with the water you know, and all that's a certain symbol that represents the power that the women represent in this time. And that a lot of things are out of order because that that respect of that wisdom or that, that honor and that moon is, is, is all single. Awesome. You know what I mean? So what I felt was necessary was to tie the past, the present and the future together through the suit. So by that being the moon and represent what that represents, that red inside that represents those St. culture birds up there. Those St. same birds represent our honor and our glorious past. Right? Now, for me, what I was able to do was to mix a lot of because we taught not to be dogmatic in our approach to spirituality, right? And that was something that the that, that Donald Mr. Lewis Farkheim guided us to do a few years back was to and thankfully so, because in 2020, you couldn't go to the mosque on Ramadan. You know what I mean? You couldn't go to the synagogue on uh, Passover because not go to church on Easter. So what we were preemptive in doing was to take our spiritual practices outside of a structure. And the way he guided us to saying that there's nine ministries that may be essential to healing and moving us forward as a people presently. And he advised those of us who had certain inclinations outside of what it is that we were fortunate enough to read or not fortunate enough to read. And in doing that, he set up these ministries, and the ministry of art and culture is one that allows me to see the brilliance in all our expressions, all our cultural expressions, right, From, from a mind of a student as a humble child, not like mom. In the next. So this suit is the total opposite of that. It's, ultimate, it's it's life, it's power, it's strength, it's history. And those symbols representing that. It'll take a chance to turn around and spin around and all that, but that's pretty much the spirit that that, that went into. And, and obviously, it was important for me to wear a mask instead of just a crown with that, uh, in the spirit of what uh, Chief Shaka said, was saying, what brother you know uh Devon said as well, with with, with embodying that. I'm six six, right? So I have a certain height myself, but it ain't nowhere near as powerful and as big as it is when you put that that mask on. So it would be sensitive that I have a mask on as well, and the weight of the the hairdress and the hairpiece it was it was intentionally made to be heavy because I need to remember that. Infusing life and optimism in the people that have been historically and systemically oppressed is not something that's going to be a life path. You know, it's not going to be an easy thing to accomplish. So when you put that on, it's a constant reminder that either you're going to shoulder the responsibility or you're down. You know, but in doing it, that's, that still represented life. It, it connects us to the past, our glorious past, you know what I'm saying? our glorious present, and our glorious
1: future.
4: Thank
0: you so much. Uh, just a lot
1: to reflect on. Yeah. Thank you,
4: Shaka. Okay, yeah. yeah, every year I give a lot of thought to uh, to to my suit, and you know, unlike the, the other two gentlemen, I don't have a my suit in the background. <laughs> but um, this year's suit was was about the honeybee and the honeybee is in trouble and um, I try to do something that's very meaningful as well as uh, I try to have a message in every suit that I make and um, uh, so uh, the concept of the honeybee uh, being in trouble was um, very challenging for me because I'm um, one, uh, uh, if, if you're not familiar with, with uh, bee, it's a very difficult uh, thing to do uh, as it relates to uh, crafting the suit, uh, especially the wings on the beach. So, um, but uh, I really enjoyed it uh, because of the message that it was going to send to the world. You know, we, uh, understanding how um, if we don't really take care of the environment, then all of the stuff that we look forward to as it relates to the future of masking uh, will be pretty much out of the picture. You know, if the environment is not healthy, then uh, the culture won't last. So, uh, so that was a very uh, important soup for me. And I think I've only made maybe three maybe three or four suits have, over, over the 20 years of masking where I didn't actually wear a mask. Um, because, um, uh, like I said earlier, that, um, you know, my energy is uh, just a separate body. Peter just said, it's really not about me. Um, it's really about the, the, the dedication to the work and the craftsmanship and some of the things that we're carrying um, so
1: it's going to be rare
4: that you see any of my suits uh, without a mask um also uh wearing a mask this year was it was a no-brainer because of, uh COVID. <laughs> you know even though mardi gras or, or, or Carnival, should i say was before this whole epidemic um, It was just ironic that you had a mask on anyway, um, which I feel like uh, could have protected us in a sense, um, because we did have a mask on, but, um, as it relates to, uh, my suits, um, one of the things I always do is going to always be present in my suits is the African tradition. From from some aspect of it, even though a honeybee didn't have a whole lot to do with the African continent, but I did have a mask on um, to 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 make it very clear that that masking part of the tradition in this indigenous culture for me will always involve some form of African tradition.
1: Thank you. And, um, Prince, you
4: have two suits behind you. Can you discuss the, um, the themes of those? These are two of the suits that will be on display at the exhibit. Um, the yellow and green suits, um, in all honesty, um, and this is a true story, was my attempt to create a suit that i could stand up next to Shaka with on the, street, on the street and not look completely out of place, <laughs> out of place. Uh, that was my second year um in yellow pocahontas and one of the things that i'm grateful for was that um of course the Paris sort of allowed us to create a marine suit and daryl montana didn't seek to alter my style in any way um and so I'm grateful for that for that opportunity. So with that in mind, I had to create something that wasn't three-dimensional, you know, like shop a soup, but wouldn't look completely flat or unusual, you know, on the street. I always desired to be uh my story. I was told that that was my job was to be my story, to be my history, um, to be my truth. So every suit um, first in my imagination comes from a urban green, a yoga perspective in terms of how sort of shape and build my suit. Uh, but then the food work, um, I attempt to incorporate uh, building symbolism, VD baby, while still sort of real re- informing my, my opinion, my opinion of of why we do this, which is to acknowledge the the Red Indians, to acknowledge the indigenous people, but to also uh, sort of uh, fly away. You may have heard of the English stories about the flying Africans that that would just fly away from the from the plantation. So when I seen the ones on the shop of suit and the ones build elaborate uh, traditional black Indian suit um I see wings and I see uh the ability to fly. But in my marine swims I try to incorporate um indigenous totem. The green and, and yellow suit has uh uh snake totems in it, transformation, then reborn, then removed. Uh hopefully you'll be able to see that uh, in more detail up close at the exhibit. and the uh black swim. Um, is my Blackhawk suit. I think this is one of um, Kim's uh, more favorite suit that she has seen me in. And so I have a medicine man, a, a traditional indigenous medicine man, sort of beaded into the front of the suit. And then I incorporated the healing elements, earth, water, fire, air, into the other symbolism that surrounds the uh, medicine man. The black the back part of the suit um also holds some symbolism uh that sort of train uh crossroads with, with more than just one meaning. so I, again i, I bring forth my my serpent totem, healing
0: wisdom
4: being regenerated but there's also an element of healing uh, just a little bit more that i incorporated into this suit uh, that wasn't necessarily in, in the forefront of my mind when I did the, uh, the green and, and yellow suit. Uh, out of the eight years, I've been masked in the black suit uh, at this point is my favorite, um, but my favorite is always the next suit that I'm going to do. <laughs> I, I put all of that motivation into the next suit that I'm going to do, so it, it has to be better than this.
1: Thank you. I want to ask each of you how COVID is impacting uh, you, uh, especially in terms of Black Carnival. Peter, will go with you first.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, hmm.
3: Okay, so I think lead, right? It's lead. It's lead. Uh, Carnival does does so much to invigorate the spirit of down like like oppressed people. Like you can't you can't you can't refuse or ignore what it does for our community, right? Like just that spirit, that presence. That to me is something, again, it's almost like we don't have the benefit, the benefit of having institutionalized things to hold on to right now. Everybody has to figure out a way to become what it is that they're looking for, right? So with with, with COVID, not just looking at the, the hands of the president and the hands of these other people in places to put in position to further chaos and things like that, or I take away things from us that we feel is necessary for our dealing. Just looking at it as a, as like stepping away from that view of it and looking at it and saying, okay, were we really being appreciated for what it is that we will bring to the streets to our culture? Did it get to a point where it was being taken for granted? Did it get to a point where it was being disrespected so much so that now you can't see it? You know, so a part of me wants to look at it like that because, as a part of me that's still humbugged, you know, you know, as a part of me that as 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 that compensation that that might be computational for the culture. So, part of it it feels like it's it's a beautiful time to regroup. It's a beautiful time to reassess and reprioritize what it is or what it is that you come out to see this for. What is it? what is it truly, right? And not just with the culture, but simple practices, like you can't go around old people with your hands dirty. You know what I mean? Like physically, spiritually, like there's so many ways to look at it. You have to appreciate life, like it's sacred for real. You know, there's, there's so many things that I, because our history is so long and because in our state of meditation and prayer or a reflection, we can tap into ancestral memories that allow us not to panic during times like this. You know what I'm saying? It's not It's not an indication of the breakdown of the entire universal order. It's not. So there's, there's still a way for us to exist and do what it is that's very important to us, engage in our ritualistic practices, engage in our spiritual practices. And I really, just on that one note alone, COVID ain't knocked that all. If
4: anything, it inspired us to
1: produce
4: more of the art that we produce to hear. Yes. You know? um, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, for me, uh, I look at the situation of COVID as a wake-up call. Uh, I think it's a reminder of uh, how vulnerable our culture is, and how important it is to 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 protect and preserve some of the things that we take for granted. You know, I think uh, sometimes we get caught up with um, practicing and acting uh, as it relates to culture and not really concentrate on uh, the, the small things. You know, I had a mentor who used to always tell me a small thing is a big thing. Um, so I think we just overlooked um, uh, the force of at any time this precious, unique, culture can be under attack. And when I say culture, I'm really speaking of a way of life, you know, uh, because for some people, you know, masking is the culture, but for most people, it's only a part of the culture. When I say culture, I always think of communities, women and children, families, what you put in your body, how you treat yourself and how you treat others. So um, I think COVID just made us take a step back. Um, and so then, you know, uh, we got to go back to the beginning of what our value system and principles actually supposed to be, you know, because it's supposed to be about families. It's supposed to be about women and children. It's supposed to be about preservation. It's supposed to be about what you put in your body. It's supposed to be about how you treat people and how you treat uh, yourself and others. So, um... You know, we just had this, uh, for me, it was was something that uh, I looked at as a break. You needed that break to to think and analyze um, how to move forward. You know, we couldn't do that in the midst of all this stuff happening uh, so fast, uh, simultaneously. So, uh, you know, once again, you know, our, our tribe is full of children. So it was important for me to make a call this year to not, go out, you know, and I'm speaking for myself, uh, as it, as it relates to Golden Feather, um, uh, you know, I can't speak on behalf of other tribes and other unions, but for me it's important we're to to honor and respect the laws of nature as it relates to this virus, um, but, you know, at the same time, you give us time to redirect, reflect, uh, come together, brainstorm, and, uh, Uh, come out a little bit stronger as it relates to family and culture for 2022. So my role as a chief, you know, I have to be mindful of of, uh, of how this culture is so vulnerable and to make sure that my ears are open and listen to uh, all of the folks that's around me that care about me and love me uh, to put our heads together because none of us is smarter than all of us to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and this tribe in the, in the near future.
1: Thank you. Design Prince.
4: Oh, uh, yeah, I agree that this season of, of COVID, I like to call it the season of Omerlu. Omerlu or Babalu, Oye, is a deity that's known in, in many uh, traditions in, in West Africa, in, in association with uh, disease. That's calamity. But my elders taught me that only you all represent the antidote. Not the problem, but the antidote. So I've seen this season um not just from my own personal perspective, uh, but that of my mother and my siblings and, and my clients and my friends and family as indeed an opportunity to connect the spirit. Um it's unfortunate those who, you know, incomes have been affected, or have been affected by uh, this virus uh, directly. Uh, but for many others, um, I believe it was sort of a uh, uh, the ancestors were saying, "Y'all need to sit down for a minute and, and think about what you're doing, think about who you are, think of what you're burning." Um, for me, in terms of you know how it affects work, it, it only increased ministry. Um, so I've been really overwhelmed uh, the last five months by those who are really stopping now, almost as if for the first time, uh, to really focus in on ancestors, uh, rituals, prayer, meditation, um, getting greater uh, connections uh, to spirit. And so many of the people that I communicate with every day, we um, don't really speak about COVID a whole lot uh, unless they're coming to the house uh and and then of course there's masks and precautions and social distancing um so i'm not in a rush um and and black Cross duty is not in a rush to sort of come out um mardi gras 2021 um i'm not willing to risk exposing myself or others um uh, to whatever might be still happening uh, in terms of this virus, but in terms of uh, the opportunity to create more, um, I've had an opportunity to not only say and read more, uh, but I've had the opportunity to start working with autobiography um, that prior to COVID, I never thought I was going to have an opportunity to, to write. Never thought I was going to be an organized time to write. Um, so I've, I've, I've learned how to ration my time better. Uh, I've learned how to pay better attention to uh, the health of, of my schedule. I just suggested the um, paying bills and, and running from this set to that set or this job or that gig uh, sometimes can be a distraction to interacting with the community, uh, building families, building relationships. You know, really at the at the grassroots level, and when you start passing people. You know, while we're out at the second line, while we're performing, you know, but not taking that time, but you know, um, to really connect at at a much more intimate level. Uh, One of the first things I did uh, right around the second week in March, when we realized things were uh, what they are, um, I called everybody. I I made an attempt to call all the oldest people that I knew, Uh, but both here in town, but also in other. And locations, just, just to say, I love you, I support you, do you need something? You know, how can, how can I be of help and a assistance to you? Uh, so for, for me, um, it, it's really about ministry. Um, and, and many of us are uncomfortable with that word because it kind of gives up very Christian-like things. Um, but I see all forms of ATR, traditional African religious systems, as a form of mainstream. When we're going at it with the right attitude. We're going at it with the right um, sense of humility to spirit. So I'm grateful for COVID-19. Thank
1: you. Um, What would each of you like people to understand, um, to know to walk away with uh, after seeing your work, you know, and all the other work?
3: Uh, in the exhibit. Who do you want people to take away from it? I'll start with you. Um, well, one thing that I, w- I, w- I would like to take away is the, uh, the importance to uh, c- creating. T- 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 the importance of the and the importance of you know, not empowering us because we don't get our empowerment from those who govern us, but like understanding our value to the younger generation, and 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 find a way to realize and recognize the greatness of us outside of our talent and outside of our gifts, because some of those chiefs that these people from around the world just find so fun to go run close to on call him day to take a picture with the same dude that they would have saw the day before and, and felt threatened by his resistance, or felt aggravated by the way he talked, or, or insulted his this the way he articulates his words, right? So what I would like for people to take away from this is to understand something that a lot of our enslaved ancestors didn't understand, is that we're not ignorant. That we're not... Uh, illiterate, you know, uh, that because we don't read the way they read, or something, you know, uh, whoever the, they may be right, at this time, right? Because although the education system here in the city doesn't really amount to really the true enlightenment that we need, we didn't learn how to read books for understanding. We learn how to read people and situations for understanding. And our culture and our art expresses that so, that the intelligence that can't be refuted, that the mastery in art, it's not, there's not no folk uh, art as such. You know what I'm saying? It's it, it just fine art. This is the highest expression of art that you can find people doing on the planet anywhere. There are teeth that, you know, what I mean, we've been doing this for so long that we get a, a collection of work together. The value of that work alone is with the creativity and the story. So, I want the one, to realize the intelligence of the people to not only persevere through oppression, but to create through oppression, like the power that that truly has to take. I want them to really take that in, you know, like really read and understand who it is that's creating this art and what we've been through, right? And then not only does our life matter and, you know, these little slogans and hashtag things, but. Yeah, so if they could take that out of the experience, you know, I can go on for a minute because it's passing, but I think the appreciation for the, the, those who create the art and, and, and the true appreciation for the fact that we are, are, are responsible for ensuring that our children get this art form. So stop killing us, stop funding police and building prisons and stop doing that to us. Stop making it so hard for a person who's trying to earn a living that in turn, you know, there's so many criminalizations that goes along with that. It stops us from being present in the lives of those children, right? So I want them to understand that we are different people. We have different value systems. And we are honorable people. We are organized people. We are very we are very loving and caring and nurturing people. We love our community. That those of us in this community that been doing this ever since we've been here that love everything about this place, and the narrative is different, and I want people to walk away from this knowing that there are those of us who understand what our culture needs to do, and we just need to be left alone to do that.
1: Thank you so much. Those are going to be echoed. Those words are going to be echoed throughout the show. For um, Chief Shaka and Voodoo Chief Divine
4: Prince, just one minute each because we're almost out of time. Yeah, I'm going to be short anyway. um, Shaka? I think um, uh, people who practice this culture understand one thing, that it's very strenuous. a lot of time and money, and energy goes into it. Um, And it's a lot of people that uh, assist you in this process. But what I want people to take away from this is we have a whole group of people that come together and go through that serious uh, work in progress to complete these suits. So it only means that um, for this culture, we are more um, uh, unified than divided, uh, contrary to what what we hear a lot of times. Uh, So just understanding that in our tribe and and, and, and what we have to endure throughout the year. And um, you know, it very hard For us to put us off. So, I want people to understand that the unity that happens in this process. Um, So, that's pretty much all I want people to take away from that. More unified than divided. Thank you. Um, I would like to say two things. Work to the community itself, take better care of yourself. Take care of yourself, watch what you're eating, get more food, more vegetables, more grains, with more water. You, you're seeing too many people in our community with, with cancers and the diabetes and the heart trauma and as Shaka and, and Brother Pia have already showed um, uh, shared the, the trauma, the stress on your body in sitting for hours feeding and then carrying uh, the weight of, of, of a suit, you know. In all sorts of weather, um, so take care of yourself. And the second thing, I want to say to the greater community, um, and this has a lot of to do with the sort of the title, um, it's more to know the of what's going on on HLW and, and as a successful transplant, um, it's really weird to me when I meet people who are born and raised here who don't know what's going on on this side of the city, who don't have a whole lot of awareness. Uh, about baby dolls, about scarlet Bones, about uh, Maribor Indians. So uh, I hope that, you know, so sort of this COVID season um, and the lack of parades uh, possibly gives people an opportunity to explore other aspects of, of, of carnival season than just what happens on St. Charles Avenue. Thank you so much,
1: all of you. Um, Everybody in the community and around the world will have opportunities to communicate with you throughout the, the year. Um, I thank you for your participation and your blessings on the street and what you do to preserve our, our unique culture here.
4: Oh, thank Thanks you. Thank you for your
1: we celebrate each other. That's a beautiful message
2: to be left with at the end of this.
1: Congo, Thank you so
2: much for I and I wait The Omaha to- Indians. The Omaha Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow- persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment, the how is not clear, how our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the religiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double Cross and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of cross is notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is, hail Congo Square, Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate. A world heralded by the beat Beat, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart, beat, heart, beat, heart, beat at this place, at this place. Be, heart, beat, beat, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world preserving our ancient pace our dance is the god walk our music the god talk first thing we do let's get together circle ourselves into community no beginning no end connected together and singing ringing singing in a ring. Second, let's be original. Aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be bonza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us that others want to dissipate with Hello. out of us, Whoa. but no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, Wait. no matter how much of us they prohibit, Deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade, but dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades. Eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us. To remember, to beat, to be, we are centuries later now, and still, this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat.